0: Welcome to Lethal Dose, your favorite toxicology focused podcast where we delve into true crime cases involving drugs and poisons. My name is Venus Deneco. I'm a layperson fascinated by true crime.
1: My name is Kayla Woods. I'm an author
0: and toxicologist. Let's get started. six everybody yeah
1: welcome back i hope
0: you enjoyed your summer quite the heat wave yeah quite the heat wave
1: yes yeah for this episode we're going somewhere that's actually a little bit hot a little coastal we're going back to japan excellent so what about
0: times is this taking place
1: it's taking place in about the 50s it kind of starts getting going in the 30s through the 50s, 60s, is kind of still an issue. It's a fun story, okay. it's, it's great. Let's jump right in. Yeah. <laughs> so the town of Minamata is located in Kunamoto Prefecture in Southern Japan. Minamata faces out into the Yatsushiro Sea, and many of the people living there early in the 20th century earned their living from the sea. In 1906, the Chizu Corporation was founded first as a hydroelectric power company under the name Sogi Electric Co. In 1908, it became the Nippon Chizo Fertilizer Co. and produced lime nitrogen via air nitrogen fixation, which we've talked about how important nitrogen mm-hmm. fixation is. Mm-hmm. It then grew into a producer of ammonia, becoming one of Japan's largest chemical companies as a producer of fertilizers. And from the very beginning, the town was extremely reliant on Chizo. When Jun Noguchi was looking for a location to build his carbide production plant in the early 1900s, the town leaders of Minamata actually asked him to build the factory there. Other yeah. towns in the region could have been suitable for Noguchi's hydroelectric plant, where he intended to use the surplus energy for his carbide factory. So that was kind of like secondary hmm A little bonus. Right. But the Minamata leaders gave Noguchi extremely competitive rates for him to use the land, water, and port facility and offered to pay him for the costs of extending power from the hydroelectric plant to the carbide plant. So he was like, well, this is too good of an offer to <laughs> refuse, of course. Yeah, how can he say no? Right. The hydroelectric plant did displace some of the workers at the nearby coal mine which was another source of Minamata's economy. But they were hired on at Chizo, but at lower wages to work at the hydroelectric plant. The growth of the plant helped to grow the town of Minamata and pulled their economy away from a humble fishing town to a city of chemists and technicians with more money to spend than their parents had. As we've seen in other towns where a goliath of a company basically runs the place, the people were reliant on Chizo directly for their own wages as well as for the economic direction of their town, for better or for worse. A former Chizo factory director was once even the mayor of Minamata. Beginning in the 1910s or the 1920s, pollution of the Shiranui Sea from the company started to become a problem when they were focusing their energy on ammonia and fertilizers and then just kind of dumping it into the ocean. Chizo was even actually forced to pay local fishers in 1926 for damage to fishing waters because so many fish around the plant were dying, cutting not into just the paychecks of the fishers, but also the available local food source for the town residents. Oh, wow. So this has to be seen in context. Of course, we can like kind of figure out where the story is going based on like the title. But like this we're we're telling this story in 2023, and a hundred years ago we weren't as well versed in environmental pollution and the threat that it causes, right? So like, sure, fish were dying, whatever. But that was all that it was, right? It's just it's just fish. We'll pay the fishermen mm-hmm. and it's gonna be fine. And It had to kind of be taken as a necessary evil because it was in the wake of World War One and Japan cut imports of fertilizer to their island. They were kind of doing the like isolationist thing. And so Chizo had a monopoly on fertilizer for everyone in the country and like, right, essentially like keeping Japan from starving during World War Mm One. Mm hmm. So, you know, a few smaller catches of fish for one town, that like pales in comparison to the ramifications of slowing down production right. at the company. In the 1930s, it was already known that acetylene blown over mercuric sulfate could make acetylaldehyde, which could be used in plastic production. And Chizzo developed a novel technique for production in 1932, and they were able to use the derivatives of this process in-house. In house so that they were also able to make acetic acid, ethyl acetate, cellulose acetate, acetone, butanol, isooctane, like all of these really useful chemicals that can be used for plastics or as like solvents on their own. And they can use them like in-house or for sale to production companies. So it was just like financially beneficial for them. And all of this in-house chemistry meant that Chizzo wanted only the best to work for them so that they could put out premium products. Technicians wouldn't even be considered for employment at the Minamata complex unless they were among the top graduates from the Department of Engineering at the Tokyo Imperial University, like literally the best of the best. And that's just for technicians. Even regular day workers were rigorously tested for employment, and they would only be considered for full employment there if they were the top graduates from their junior high school and then they still had to prove themselves on the job to be hired full time. Despite wanting only the best to work and produce for them, the people who worked at Chizo were treated like shit and paid shit wages. There wasn't oh, even compensation dang. for the <laughs> dangers of the positions, of which there were many, because the Minamata complex experienced accidents and explosions, and the workers were exposed to early 20th century use and storage of dangerous organic solvents. Mm-hmm. Rather... They were told that all of these dangers were just part of working for Chizo. And if they weren't willing to put up with the risks, then they shouldn't be there.
0: And I mean, but when they put it on such a pedestal, like, oh, it's a privilege
1: to work yes. here almost. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? Like
1: Yeah, exactly. I... So honestly, like, aside from like, oh, it's a privilege and it, it looks good later, although I feel like this is a generation who like wanted to find somewhere and stay there, you know, and like mm-hmm. earn their place. I just, I don't know how they kept anyone employed under those conditions, you know? Mm-hmm. But the people of Minamata, they they did feel like privileged because Chizzo's always been there for them, They it's helped them grow, and now they have all these like bright and brilliant people working for Chizo and living in Minamata and expanding the town. And so it really is like reflecting well on them to have all of these people here because of the company. When World War II began, the acetyl produced by Chisso was in high demand by the Japanese military, giving them yet another wartime upswing of production and sales. In 1938, IG Farben became the first and only producer of vinyl chloride, but in 1941, Chizo figured out how to do it and became the sole source of vinyl chloride in Japan during the war. This ramp up of production at the Minamata complex meant there was an increase of waste being released into the ocean chizo was again forced to pay fishers in 1943 to compensate for the dead fish around the factory but this time the fishers were paid with the stipulation that this second payment would be the last if anything mm. else happens you cannot ask us for more money mm. yeah when the war ended, Chizo lost 80% of its assets because it was forced to disband the overseas operations it held in Korea and China. The Minamata flagship campus had also been bombed, and this very well could have been the end of Chizo and the story, were it not for Japan's great need to combat the near starvation of the citizens with a renewed emphasis on agriculture and food production. Chizo was rebuilt and pulled back from the brink of death to once again begin producing large quantities of ammonium sulfate. There was also a foreign demand for polyvinyl chloride, which the United States mostly capitalized on, but Chizo was the only Japanese company capable of producing polyvinyl chloride, and in 1949 restarted production. In 1953, they produced another acetylaldehyde derivative, DOP, which is essential in the production of PVC. So just all of these plastics that are still mm-hmm. really commonplace today. Minamana was also experiencing a slew of what residents were calling dancing cat disease or cat suicides. As you can imagine, this is a euphemism for a horrible affliction. Mm-hmm. Cats All around the town began to wander deliriously and wobble their hind legs shaking so badly they couldn't keep themselves upright and I know I know and so this is what they called dancing was this like kind of tremorous Mm -hmm. shake that they were doing some cats could only walk in circles others ran full speed into walls being a coastal town this inability to control their own bodies often resulted in the cats falling into the ocean and drowning
0: Oh my god. Right.
1: Eventually, all of the outside cats in the town died, and this wasn't something that went unnoticed. It was estimated that at least 100 households experienced the loss of a cat in the 1950s. The cat suicides themselves were noteworthy, but the complete absence of cats couldn't be ignored, even by the people who didn't lose a pet. While the felines of Minamata did eat the fish given to them by people or stolen off the ships at the harbor, they also Mm. justified their meals by eating the rats and mice that also lived in the town. Unchecked, the rodents ate through hemp and nylon fishing nets, which were vital to the well being of the citizens of Minamata, but were also incredibly expensive to replace. And of course, it wasn't just the cats. Birds literally dropped from the sky and people began to sporadically experience strange nervous symptoms, walking like they were drunk, dropping their chopsticks during meals, slurring their words. Although most accounts place the first recognized Minamata patient in 1956, the disease appears to have been first identified by physicians in the Kunamoto prefecture in 1953. On April 21, 1956, a six-year-old girl presenting with convulsions and difficulty walking and speaking went to the hospital attached to the Chisso factory in Minamata. Mm-hmm. Her case was not officially reported to the Minamata Health Center until May 1st, along with three other children experiencing similar symptoms, including the girl's sister. All of the children were admitted to the hospital with this unidentified disease, nicknamed Minamata disease. An investigation into this disease found that the disease had already reached endemic proportions by May 28th, when it was discovered that approximately 30 other people in Minamata were presenting with the same symptoms. So this is all happening pretty fucking quickly. It's happening very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. These people were gradually were losing motor control. They were partially paralyzed, unable to dress themselves, walk, or speak. They hobbled along in a horrifying dance similar to the cats, and they salivated uncontrollably because they couldn't operate their mouths, and they convulsed. Some of them developed tunnel vision and headaches. And while the symptoms were all similar, the timeline wasn't uniform. One man, Suganori Hamamoto, recalled that the disease gripped his father quickly, killing him in seven weeks. His mother also became incapacitated by the same symptoms, but lived with them for nine years before they eventually killed her.
2: Oh
0: my god, that's, that's so terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah. On July 26th, all of the Minamata patients were put into an infectious disease ward at the hospital because the cause of the outbreak had still yet to be determined. Minamata, it seemed, was experiencing some sort of localized plague. Children were told to hold their breath when passing the homes of the sick. And when people went to the store for sick relatives, they were told by the store employees to put their money money in a basket to conduct no-contact transactions. The city sprayed disinfectants and neighbors avoided those who they knew had contact with the sick. And now that we've all gone through a period of quarantine, we can recall the feelings of isolation. But in nineteen fifty six Minamata, it was paired with an even greater hostility towards those who were ill. It's hard to imagine, sure, but we knew what was causing COVID. And they it would not had no be... idea. Right, right. They had no idea what this was. And it wouldn't be until November that a heavy metal was suspected as the cause of Minamata disease. Specifically, researchers at the Kunamoto University School of Medicine reported that Minamata disease had been linked to heavy metal poisoning associated with the consumption of contaminated fish from the Minamata Bay area. By the time this was announced, 40 patients had been identified and 14 had died. Mm. It... Immediately, researchers began to suspect that Chizo was behind the contamination, but the residents of Minamata were not clued into this suspicion. The Kunamoto prefectural authorities issued a warning against eating seafood from the Minamata Bay and could have prohibited eating fish from the Bay based on the Food Sanitation Act, but they decided against any such imposition. They stated that, There was no clear evidence that all fish and
0: all shellfish are poisoned in a specified area in Minamata Bay. Therefore, it is impossible to apply Provision 4-2 of the Food Sanitation Act to all the fish and shellfish
1: be caught in that area according to this law however there need not be a positively identified source of poisoning if a transmission source is positively identified and public health authorities should have taken more strict action at this point according to the food sanitation act instead the citizens of minamata continued to eat the fish from the bay for another three years before the causative agent was announced they stopped Mm. in 1957 when they were warned that the seafood from the bay was likely dangerous, and the fishermen's Cooperative in Minamata City placed self-imposed restrictions on fishing in the bay beginning in August. At the Kunamoto University, a five-person committee had been assembled to specifically investigate the Minamata cases, and there were a number of other individuals who were studying the patients and animals in the area as well. A British physician named Dr. Douglas McAlpine worked with Dr. Shikuro Araki of the university in examining 15 patients in 1956, and both of them concluded that the systems presented, such as ataxia, dysarthria, and tunnel vision, were consistent with methylmercury poisoning. Mm. Right. So mercury is an interesting element when it comes to exposure and toxicity. And this is going to be just the first story in a larger overarching story about mercury. So for now, I'm just gonna do a little breakdown for elemental mercury and organic mercury compounds and organic mercury compounds. I'll keep it as light and easy as I can without (laughs) getting into the weeds. So you'll need to pull me out if I go too far, all right, Venus? (laughs) Roger that. (laughs) Mercury is a non-essential metal that is liquid at room temperature, as most of us probably know and have seen video of. Hopefully, we haven't seen it in person. So, the most common route of exposure for elemental mercury is mercury vapor. And interestingly, although we absorb around 80% of mercury vapor inhaled into our lungs, if someone were to drink mercury, it would be pretty much non-toxic because very little of it would be absorbed into the GI tract. Yeah. Okay. Route of exposure is important. I'm always saying it. But yeah. There you mm-hmm. go. <laughs> Interesting. So when inhaled, the main issue is pulmonary toxicity with central nervous systems, usually presenting with tremors. Inorganic mercury, like cinnabar rocks and the catalyst being used by Chizzo, has different properties based on charge state of mercury that we won't get into for now, but Exposure to it causes delayed central nervous systems and kidney damage, and usually that is an oral ingestion, and so it is taken up by the GI tract. Mm -hmm. Methylmercury is a form of organic mercury. When ingested orally, as is the most common route of exposure, 90% of it is absorbed by the GI tract. Methylmercury is the most poisonous kind of mercury to be exposed to and presents with severe and usually permanent central nervous system effects including burning or tingling sensation in the extremities, loss of coordination, tremors, tunnel vision, and difficulty speaking. It can also lead to cardiac abnormalities and kidney dysfunction. Organic mercury is highly lipophilic, able to cross the blood-brain barrier, and has a half-life of about 70 days in the body. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. We now also know, largely because of Minamata disease, that mercury biomagnifies in fish, in any food web. And this is a phenomenon of increased mercury contamination in the food chain, where the smaller fish and the plankton eat contaminated plants and dirt or whatever, and then the large fish eat the small fish, and then cats and people, in this case, eat the Mm -hmm. bigger fish. Mm -hmm. Add to that the fact that methylmercury concentrates largely in muscles, skin, and fat, and is a metal in a form that cannot be cooked out, and you have a serious issue in the I Sea. The average lethal dose of organic mercury is around 100 milligrams, and clams that were tested by forcing them to live in seawater containing sludge from the Chiso factory were found to accumulate 22.5 micrograms per gram of mercury after just five days, which is approximately 0.4 milligrams per clam. which. Isn't a whole lot, but that's after only five days of being five there. Five days, with, yeah. Without any biomagnification, so. Mm-hmm. Because the route of exposure was through ingestion of contaminated fish and shellfish, and not everyone's consumption is the same, fishermen and their families were hit the hardest, but there were also two types of methylmercury poisoning that came to be classified in Minamata. There was typical, acute, and atypical, which was less severely acute and more of a chronic exposure. These two types presented at the same time in minamata, but gave a large variability in the kind and degree of symptoms presenting, which at first made the diagnosis of minamata disease difficult because you have typical poisoning which has all of the symptoms that I mentioned before coming on very quickly. And then also, you know, people like literally going insane, losing consciousness, dying, and you don't really know why. And then you also have the atypical type that's presenting with headaches, like a less severe loss of balance, all of this stuff. And it was delayed. And so it's like, are these coming from the same thing? Did this person catch it from this person? I mean, Right. Once they figured out it was,
0: don't know what you're looking at when you're looking at so many different things across such a spectrum.
1: Exactly, exactly. So yeah, once they realized it was methyl mercury, they're like, oh, that makes sense. But at first, mm-hmm. you're just like, what the fuck is this? And how, like, what is the source of it? The pathologist of the KU committee, Doctor Tadao Takeuchi, pr- announced in 1958 that his pathological findings in necropsied cats, fish, and birds showed brain lesions consistent with Hunter Russell syndrome. Which is again caused by exposure to organic mercury, so this was known about in the literature. There were other possibilities including selenium, manganese, and thallium poisoning, which were also found at elevated levels in the silt near the company, the wastewater, or the tissues of the necropsied animals. Meanwhile, The Japan Chemical Industry Association claimed that the symptoms could have been brought on by exposure to chemicals leaking from explosives dumped into the ocean during World War II. So just, like, could be fucking anything. Right, we're just throwing anything out there. Right. In 1959, Chizzo was asked by the Ministry of International Trade and Industry to change the location of the waste discharge from the Minamata Bay. The company changed the location of the discharge and also installed a wastewater purifying machine, dubbed the Cyclator. Kiichi Yoshioka, the president of Chizo, gave a speech at a ceremony in December 1959 in which he claimed that the Cyclator could neutralize acids and remove suspended solids and that Chizo had perfected their liquid waste management. To prove Mm -hmm. this, he pulled a stunt that I personally think should be a red flag anytime anyone does it. And like you should just investigate whatever claim it is they're against whenever they do it, just like on the face of them pulling the stunt. Mm -hmm. He supposedly drank a glass of water that had been purified using the cyclotor what no one knew at the time and what no one would realize until much later was that the slagleator didn't do anything to separate dissolved chemicals from wastewater chizo chizo did know this but nobody else knew it at the time oh so they were just blowing smoke everybody's at like i mean they don't know what's going on in the wastewater either but if it's something like you have all these top technicians and chemists and whatever and you're mm-hmm. not like making sure that dissolved chemicals are being separated from your wastewater than saying like, everything's good, everything's fine. Hmm. No. But most yeah. people, including researchers at the Kunamoto University, believed Chizo. So they went back to eating fish from the sea around Minamata and research in the di- into the disease stopped because there were no more patients because people had stopped eating fish out of the sea, right? Uh, right. <laughs> So then, in 1959, there were again increasing cases of Minamata disease, and the area where the affected patients were coming from had changed now to the more northerly region of Minamata, consistent with the change in location of the wastewater dump Mm
2: -hmm. from
1: the bay to the Minamata River. Following this new influx of cases, in July, the Minamata City City Fresh Seafood Retailers, I don't know why that was so weird to me. (laughs) The Minamata City Fresh Seafood Retailers Union decided against buying fish and shellfish taken from any of the coastal regions around Minamata. Meanwhile, the fishermen's Cooperative was still not harvesting from the bay. More humans and animal Minamata sufferers were identified, and researchers continued to find that the outward symptoms and the brain lesions in autopsied patients were consistent with consumption of organic mercury. But where is this mercury coming from? And again, at this point, listeners are probably wondering what the holdup is. Like, why don't they know, like, it's mercury? They're using a mercury catalyst, like put two and two together. But it's 2023. We know mercury is dangerous. We've been warned about elevated levels of mercury in fish to the degree that, like, we know as just common knowledge that pregnant people are advised against eating sushi, right? hmm And so I've said that the people working at Chisel were the best of the best. Why aren't they why aren't they adding all of this up? It's not a corporate cover-up at this point. I will say that.
0: <laughs> okay. Shocker.
2: It's just for that the,
1: the chemistry is very complicated. Okay. I don't even get into it yet. I can't get into it yet. The story needs to play <laughs> out more. So hold on. Okay. <laughs> In the chisel reaction for the production of acetylaldehyde inorganic mercury sulfate along with ferrous sulfate was used as a catalyst as a catalyst with acetylene which is an acid solution like nitric acid and water so all of these things are being mixed together in 1956 this reaction was seen as advantageous over the german process for making acetaldehyde because it recycled excess acetylene back into the system for the next batch and had fewer unfavorable side reactions and so it had a higher percent yield of acetaldehyde like Good to go, good chemistry, mm-hmm. whatever. None of these known reactions created any mercury compounds, organic or inorganic. And there was no reason to think that they should have because the mercury was being used as a catalyst, meaning it wasn't being used up in the synthesis reaction. So everyone at Chizo was like, I don't see how you can blame us because we're doing like the best chemistry we can and we're using mm-hmm. it as a catalyst. It's not going anywhere. Right. The physician-in-chief at the Chizo Factory Hospital, Dr. Hajime Hosokawa, suggested to the factory director in 1956 or 1957 that a relationship between Minamata disease and the company's wastewater should be examined, but Dr. Hosokawa didn't conduct any experiments on the wastewater until 1959. On July 1, 1959, Dr. Hosokawa began feeding wastewater from the chisel plant to two cats. On October 6th of that year, one of the cats named Cat 400 developed no. the- <laughs> yeah, poor cat. <laughs> he developed the symptoms of minamata disease. So Dr. Hosokawa told his managers at Chizu about this, and they told him stop experimenting on cats, and not because like they had something against it. <laughs> they you know? cared about the cats. Yeah. yeah. They did not care about the cats. Yeah. The uh. day after Dr. Hosokawa began his experiments, Kunamoto University announced that, quote, mercury has come to our attention as a likely cause of pollution of fish and shellfish, unquote, causing Minamata disease. Despite Dr. Hosokawa's experiments, in August, a representative for Chizo stated that
0: the organic mercury theory of Kunamoto University is speculation without definitive proof, and it is irrational in view of chemistry common sense. Yeah, so
1: now it's becoming a cover-up. Mm-hmm. A Minamata Food Poisoning Special Committee was established under the Food Sanitation Investigation Council to investigate the relationship between Minamata disease and shellfish ingestion in 1959 after the spiking cases. On November 12th of that year, the committee reported to their council minister that, quote, "...organic mercury compounds in fish and shellfish around Minamata Bay were the main cause of Minamata disease." Their conclusions were justified based on the presentation of symptoms in patients and the concentration of mercury in the patient's urine, brain, liver, and kidneys, as well as the large amounts of mercury found in the sediment and muscles gathered from Minamata Bay. The sludge of Minamata Bay was found to have mercury concentrations as high as 2,000 parts per million, or 2,000 micrograms per gram. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The minister of international trade and industry disagreed on the findings and did not approve of the report and the next day the committee was dissolved no further actions could be taken okay mm-hmm. on november 25th the mutual aid society of patients demanded payment from Chizo as compensation for 78 minamata disease victims and their families at first, Chizzo ignored them, stating again that quote, there is no clear link between the mercury contamination and the factory wastewater. Furthermore, they had other questions for the researchers at KU. If
0: we've been using mercury as a catalyst since 1932, why did Minamata disease patients not appear until 1954? There are other factories in Japan across the globe that produce acetaldehyde. So why are we being singled out as the cause of Minamata disease? How do you propose that the inorganic mercury catalyst that we're using is turned to organic mercury, methylmercury, to cause Minamata disease? Right. Sounds
1: like good questions. Mm-hmm. Except that the research is always, already showing, like, you're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In December, Chizo was persuaded to sign an agreement by the governor and the mayor of Minamata, mostly to just make this problem go away. So, Chizo paid a lump sum of 300,000 yen, which is approximately 833 dollars for each dead patient. Oh my god. And they were forced to pay an annual stipend of 100,000 yen for each surviving adult, and 30,000 yen for each surviving child, which is two hundred seventy-seven dollars and eighty-three dollars, respectively. Wow. Yeah. Chizo not only was just slapped on the wrist for the damage they'd inflicted, but were also saved with the statement in the agreement, which read, "Even if it shall
0: be revealed in the future that wastewater discharge from the factory causes Minamata disease, no further demands for compensation will be made."
1: And Wow. Things-
0: Things were about to get worse. Wow. Okay. How are we getting worse? (laughs) They always get worse. They always get worse. Things always get worse. So how are we getting worse this time, Kayla? In
1: 1959, nine infants with cerebral palsy born in 1956 were suspected to have been (sighs) exposed to methylmercury in the womb. Despite their mothers having no outward signs of Minamata disease. In fact, it was often the case that the mother would show no symptoms of poisoning when her infant clearly did. And so it is almost viewed as the child sacrificing themselves to protect their mother by absorbing all of the mercury in utero rather than the mother absorbing any. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's devastating. Another group reported that 15 cases of infants born between 1955 and 1958 in the area impacted by Minamata showed the same symptoms, but hesitated to decisively declare that these were cases of congenital Minamata disease because this would be the first such occurrence in the world. It wasn't until two children died in 1961 and 1962, and then were autopsied by Dr. Takeuchi from KU and Dr. Masazumi Harada, and then they presented on the pathological finding of these deceased congenital children's brains that they were able to reveal solid evidence of congenital Minamata disease for them, the cerebral palsy children, and all the other impacted but unidentified children of the Minamata area. This also finally gave credence for Minamata disease as the reason for the high number of miscarriages and stillbirths in the area in the 1950s. Oh my gosh. The reason for these congenital effects is that methylmercury covalently binds to cysteine and forms cysteine methylmercury, which is a structural analog of the essential amino acid methionine, and so it can pass through the placenta as well as the blood-brain barrier. Congenital Minamata victims presented with decreased birth weight and muscle tone, developmental delay, seizure disorders, deafness, blindness, and severe spasticity. The births that occurred during the Minamata outbreak are essentially the reason that the US EPA and FDA recommend that pregnant and nursing individuals, as well as young children, avoid predatory fish, especially those that contain one microgram per gram of methylmercury. Those clams that were tested in Minamata sledge had over 22 times that amount in one clam. Wow. The fishermen of Minamata were suffering financial losses due to the inability to fish from the Minamata Bay. But it was their self-imposed restrictions and the refusal of the seafood retailers union to purchase Minamata region fish that helped prevent more illnesses. And eventually the outbreak was considered pretty much over in 1960. In April of 1962, the fishermen's Cooperative partially lifted their voluntary restrictions, and in May of 1964, they completely abolished the restrictions. And then everyone was fine. Yay! No. Yay? <laughs> no. No, I was like,
0: really? Like... <laughs> really?
1: No, we're like half <laughs> No, of course not. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> this was the first incident of Menomata disease. But, since there was no end to the waste that Chizo was dumping into the ocean, it was not the last. In fact, Minamata disease accounts for two of the four big pollution cases of Japan, while the other two are the Itai-Atai disease from cadmium poisoning in 1912, and the Yokaichi asthma caused by sulfur dioxide air pollution in 1961. The second incidence of Minamata disease in Japan was first reported on May 31, 1965, when Niigata University reported to the Niigata Prefectural Public Health Department that quote, there have been sporadic cases of mercury poisoning from an unknown source in the lower Agano River. For those of you unfamiliar with the geography of Japan, such as me, Minamata is on the southern side of Japan, Kyushu, Niigata is in northern Japan, about five hours north of Tokyo. They are nowhere near each other. The report hmm. was made to the Niigata prefecture after three confirmed cases of methylmercury poisoning were discovered between January and May 1965. This time, the Chizo Corporation wasn't to blame. Rather, it was the Showa Dunko Konose factory located on the upper Agano River, which was a synthesizer of acetaldehyde until early 1965, when the cases began presenting. This prompted a further investigation of residents, medical patients, and the recently deceased, which revealed that Niigata had 26 individuals suffering from methylmercury poisoning, all located along the Agano River, and five of which had died. Other individuals were found to have elevated levels of mercury detected in hair samples, but were not experiencing symptoms. These were people who were being chronically exposed to mercury at lower levels than those who were symptomatic and were in this case considered mercury contaminated but were the atypical cases for Minamata. Although there was one child with palsy suspected to have been exposed in utero, this child was counted as a methylmercury victim meaning no children were counted as congenital cases at the onset of the outbreak, but there was concern about possible congenital cases since the Niigata incident was playing out in essentially the same way Minamata had, with industry trying to cover its ass and the government being slow to react. Women who were found to have levels of mercury greater than 50 micrograms per gram in their hair were warned against becoming pregnant. Two women were pregnant at the time of examination of residence, and one of their children was born with neurological problems. Mm. In June of 1967, the Niigata victim sued Showa Denko for compensation. Around this same time, the government of Japan was finally realizing that pollution could be a public, ha- public health hazard, health and economic consequences, despite the benefits of the chemical industry that often perpetuated the pollution. The Basic Law for Environmental Pollution Control was established in 1967, and central governments were forced to identify the cause of pollution to settle the problems associated with the pollution. Following this, in September of 1968, the government ruled that the causative agent for both the Minamata and the Niigata outbreaks were methyl mercury pollution from the Chizo Factory and the Showa denko kenose Factory, respectively. The damage could finally be addressed and the remunerations monitored by the Japanese government. But a full 12 years had passed since the first victim was reported to the prefecture and thousands of people had been impacted as a result of delayed action.
0: Yeah, it's like too little too late. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Chizzo stopped discharging their mercury pollutant in May of 1968 while Showa Denko had already stopped in 1965, but both were held liable for damages to physical health, mental health, and the environment. In April, 1969, the mutual aid society of patients who were negotiating for compensation with ChISO, split into two groups to handle the mediations and the litigation. In December of 1969, a new law established a certification system for relief of pollution related health damages. Under this system, applicants who wanted to submit methylmercury poisoning claims had to go through a medical exam by the prefecture, a separate medical review by the certification council, and then a prefectural governor would decide whether that person actually suffered from methylmercury poisoning. Okay.
0: Like moving through all that, like did you actually though?
2: Hmm
0: Unsurprisingly. <laughs> few
1: people were certified under this system yeah (laughs) and the people who weren't given certifications or who had already been separated into the litigation faction of victims had to take it upon themselves to sue the responsible company or government agency and these lawsuits could take decades to resolve as we kind of went over in the om shinrikyo episodes Mm -hmm. it would be like once a month or some shit, right in June of 1969, 121 patients sued Chizo for compensation for damages, but the judgment wasn't read until March of 1973. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's insane. During this trial, Dr. Hosokawa was finally able to reveal the data he'd collected from his experiments on cats and the findings of methylmercury in the effluent from the company that he'd taken to his superiors and which had been covered up. But he did so from his literal deathbed. He died mm. from lung cancer three months after giving his testimony against the company. Wow. And it might be easy to see Dr. Hosokawa and the other, like, lower-level employees as complicit for not blowing the whistle on Chizuo earlier. But the company employed about 60% of Minamata's workforce, and people felt a certain loyalty to the company, both as a personal source of income and economic keystone for the city so yeah, we've seen this before totally we've seen this before yeah and so dr hosakawa is remembered fondly for his brave testimony and for stepping up against chizo but according to what i read chizo was also still remembered remembered with a sense of fondness for what it did for Minamata before the outbreak hmm. and when the fishermen began protesting against the company and demanding compensation, there were counter protests against the fishermen by company employees because they didn't want to believe that Chizo could betray them, like as employees, as citizens. Mm-hmm. And so Minamata the city was just totally divided by the issue. And this was after it was discovered that the disease wasn't a contagion. So first you have people being like, you're gross, you're bad, you're you're." You're diseased and now you have Mm -hmm. them like, oh, well, how could you blame Chizo for this? Like, right. It's just it's awful. So despite Dr. Hosokawa's evidence, which the company had known about for over a decade, and another internal report from a factory engineer in 1961, which stated that he detected methylmercury from a drain in the plant. Chizo argued in 1971 that Minamata disease was caused by people eating rotting fish from the bay and not from any sort of pollution coming out of their factory.
0: Oh my god.
1: Yeah, just gonna double down at every chance. Right. But the Kunamoto district court found Chizo entirely responsible in 1973 and added that wastewater should have been tested for dangerous substances If dangerous substances are found, they said, companies have to prevent these substances from polluting the environment, and the kinds of agreements that Chizo forced the fishermen of Minamata to sign should be considered invalid and immoral. So, like, yay, big win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The trial and the victims were highly publicized across Japan and had long-lasting effects on national policies. Before the trial had even been concluded, 1970 was dubbed the first year of the pollution era, and the government enacted 14 new laws related to pollution control in 1971 and also established Japan's Environment Agency. All right, some big wins. Yeah. On August 8, 1971, ahead of Chizzo's court judgment, the Environment Agency announced their criteria for recognizing cases of Minamata disease, of which there were three. They would recognize formally diagnosed cases, they would recognize cases where at least one symptom of Minamata disease was present and the influence of organomercury was recognized and they would recognize cases where the influence of organomercury could not be denied from an epidemiological standpoint so like were you in the area that was affected okay you probably are then mm-hmm. but you still have to like apply for this Still, from that point, the number of recognized cases skyrocketed, like lots of people applied, a couple of people like they recognized, and people just kept trying to apply to be like, everything sucks, could you please try to help me? By December of 1956, there were 54 recognized patients and 17 of which had died. But with the unchecked release of mercury into the ocean around Minamata and Niigata, by the time the Chizo case was settled in 1973, 2,000 people had applied for recognition and 706 patients were identified, including 82 who had died. In 1979, 12 people received $725,000 total in compensation from Chizo, but the numbers of impacted people continued to rise. In 1995, there were 11,152 people who each received $24,200 from JISO. The company was also made to make payment to five national victims groups. Further victims were identified in 2009 after the Act on Special Measures Concerning Relief for Victims of Minamata Disease and Solution to the Problem of Minamata Disease was enacted and 32,244 people accepted compensation. Wow. However, it is believed that the half the population of the Minamata area, or 100,000 people, have experienced health problems due to the pollution from Chizo and have received no compensation for their suffering as of at least 2018. But I don't think they've, ex- they've seen any compensation in the last five years either. Mm. That's,
0: I mean, that's huge. Do you think, I mean... You thought for a second that it was impacted, they, they were helping out some people. But... <laughs> right, but no, not Relatively really. speaking, relatively speaking, no.
1: While those who were exposed to mercury and the families who took care of them were the most directly impacted by the disease, both because of their failing health, their loss of life, and the suffering of miscarriages, as well as the social stigma placed on them, with some people going so far as to blame them for being sick, that was not the only source of suffering caused by Chizo. The fishermen also had to once again enforce restrictions in May of 1973 after the Kunamoto University declared that the fish and shellfish in Minamata Bay were still unsafe and they carried out zero harvests in the bay from 1975 until 1992. Like they were essentially wow. put out of business.
0: They yeah, they wiped
1: their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: wow. Yeah.
1: In December of 1971, some of the victims went to the Chizo general offices in Tokyo to speak with the company president. The president, of course, did not make himself available to speak with them. Shocker. And so they staged a sit-in protest until the president agreed to meet with them. Employees called the police on the protesters to forcibly remove them from the building, but they stayed on the streets and protested against the company for the next 18 months. Teruo Kawamoto was one of the main leaders of the protest group, as both he and his father struggled with Minamata disease, and his father from di- had died from it in 1966. Kawamoto visited another Chizo company in Goi, just south of Tokyo, because he wanted to get the employees and the labor unions on the side of the victims. However, even the labor unions were loyal to Chizo, and Kawamoto and his allies, including American photographer Eugene Smith, were met with violence. Protests continued to be held outside the Chizo headquarters, but after word got out about the protests and the violence towards the victims, students from Tokyo came to join the protesters in solidarity. Corporate continued to try and force the protesters off the street, and there were constant encounters between employees and protesters, which led to more trouble. Eugene Smith was attacked outside of Tokyo by Chizo employees while attempting to photograph a scheduled meeting between victims and a company official smith recalled being beat dragged picked up and then having his head slammed into the concrete it resulted in the photographer having limited vision in one eye and he left japan soon thereafter and died only a for- few short years later possibly because of complications from the attack eventually kawamoto and other supporters were arrested Chizo attempted to counter sue kawamoto a victim of their pollution But this was actually thrown out and led to their suit and negotiations being examined in greater detail by the court. Hmm. In July of 1973, after the lawsuit was settled and the protesters gained direct mediation with the director of the Japanese Environment Agency, Chizzo actually agreed to pay the Minamata victims more than the compensation guaranteed by the court decision. And it was at this point that the protests ended. Yeah, yeah, there's. You know, people getting shit done, because what mm-hmm. other choice did they have? In line with the new environmental protection laws, Chizo and Shoadunko were forced to pay for the costs of dredging the mercury-containing sediment from the pollution epicenters near the discharge points of their factories. Between 1932 and, 19- and 1968, it's estimated that Chizo dumped between 224 to 600 tons of mercury into Minamata Bay. Yeah. Yeah, it's what? a lot. As That's a result, insane. I know it's so fucking much mercury. As a result, Chisso had to spend around three hundred fifty-nine million dollars between nineteen seventy-seven and nineteen ninety to remove just over one point five square kilometers of sediment from the Minamata Bay. The mercury. Why?
0: Conti- Why does that seem so small?
1: I I know it does seem small, right? Like one and a half. It's one and a half square, you know, so one and a half by one and a half. So, (sighs) okay. (laughs) It does seem small. The mercury contaminated sediment was buried inland in the bay below what is now recognized as Minamata's Eco Park, which, like, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think that it's. That seems weird. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to leach from the dirt, but it's also like, "Mm, was there something else we could have done with that? That seems weird. Yeah. And I guess Mm. they, like, planted bamboo on top of it because, like, bamboo was really hard to kill. And so I don't know if they were showing that, like, life can still grow or, like, the victims are resilient. But, like, the whole – it's kind of weird to me. It's very
0: weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird.
1: A 1.3-mile-long net was also installed in the bay in 1974 to contain polluted fish and prevent further seafood contamination. This net was removed in 1997 and the fish in the bay were declared safe for consumption based on mercury levels of sampled fish having fallen below 0.3 parts per million of methyl mercury for three consecutive years. On February 29th, 1988, the Japanese Supreme Court sentenced Kaiichi Yoshioka and Aichi Nishida, the former president of Tezo and the former director of the Minamata factory, respectively of being guilty for the negligent homicide of two people, although they were originally only tried for the deaths of seven people. So I guess Uh, we weren't gonna get very far with that anyhow. Yeah. They were both sentenced to two years in prison and three years of probation. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's it? Yes, yep. And these were the only criminal charges applied to anyone at the Chiso Corporation. In 2004, they continued to expand. In 2006, when the 50th anniversary of the first Minamata victim was being recognized, they celebrated 100 years in business. And since then they have transferred business to JNC Company Limited and absorbed two more companies. So Chizo is not hurting for business. Although Dr. Hosokawa gave his evidence to the court during the 1969 trial, A detailed scientific account of his findings was not published for another 40 years. In 2001, Ito et al. re-examined the cat necropsy specimens which remained from one of the ten cats Dr. Hosokawa experimented on and verified the characteristic lesions of methylmercury poisoning in the cerebrum, cerebellum, liver, and kidney of cat 717. That same year, scientist Hajime Nishimura and former Chizo employee Tatsuaki Okamoto wrote a book entitled Science of Minamata Disease. Okamoto explained his reasoning for writing the book about his former employer by writing. I could not stand on the side of managers of Chizo who cared nothing for
0: anybody. I have chosen to voice my concerns as a member of the labor union of Chizo
1: together with the patients of Minamata's disease. In the book they answer some of the questions posed by chizo in their counter arguments to the public which i mentioned earlier one of them was why didn't Minamata disease appear until 1954 if we've been making acetylaldehyde since the 30s so okamoto didn't join chizo until 1957 but we know how many tons of acetyl the company produced and we know how they produced it and so that's how researchers have been able to guess at how much mercury was drained into Minamata Bay. Mm. Despite producing acetaldehyde since the 30s, Chisso saw a rapid increase in production in the mid 50s, with a maximum production of 42,245 tons in 1960. In 1962, production decreased to 26,500 tons because of labor issues, and then. Increased in 1963 and decreased again in 1964. However, Nishimura and Okamoto point out some interesting chemistry involved in the production of acetylaldehyde, which actually changed in 1951 and increased the amount of mercury that was likely drained into the sea by fivefold from the year prior. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And they also found that Chizo began using seawater in the production of acetyl aldehyde, which is not an industry standard whatsoever. Like, there's so many contaminants that could be in there. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the presence of chloride ions that totally changed the chemistry of production. And so that also increased mercury emission in 1955. Shizo also recognized that there was a leak in 1959 of the mother liquid that has the catalyst and the water Mm -hmm. and the nitric acid that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this increased the mercury-contaminated wastewater released by the plant by around 50% that year alone. Wow. They're just going hard. Like that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Like Fuck the ocean. Like. (laughs) Yeah. So Nishimura and Okamoto's book is not available in English. But if any die-hard chem nerds out there want, like, the nitty-gritty of all of these chemistry details I'm trying my best to gloss over, I recommend two sources which I'm including in the show notes for this episode. There's Hisashi Yokoyama's lecture on methylmercury poisoning in Minamata, and Minamata disease by Tsuda et al., and both are available for free online, so just check those out in the show notes and read to your chemistry heart's desire. (laughs) So the second question chizo posed was why wasn't minamata disease seen elsewhere in the world when other companies were producing acetylaldehyde? and with the second outbreak in niigata it's obvious that like this is a false train of thought but their use of seawater was also not an industry standard practice and so they were increasing the amount of their wastewater compared to everybody else and so like it's on you like it's your fault Mm -hmm. but the most interesting rebuttal to chizo's counterclaim involves their last question which is some of the interesting chemistry I was talking about earlier that I had to save for right now, so buckle up. (laughs) Chizzo originally said that there was no known mechanism by which inorganic mercury catalysts would convert to organic mercury, to methylmercury. So regardless of whether or not a mechanism was known, Chizzo already knew that the factory was producing methylmercury in the wastewater, so like moot argument, flat out denial but the thing was that inorganic mercury was known to be a product of certain reactions both in nature and in the laboratory in the 1960s there was pollution research being conducted elsewhere that actually proved this as well as lab experiments and like sure one could argue that it was harder to keep up with scientific literature before the internet especially when there might be like a language barrier between like the researchers and the journals that things were being published in
2: but that doesn't mm-hmm. matter
1: because there were more suspected reactions of this nature beginning in the early 20th century. And it was first suggested that methylmercury could be a product of acetylaldehyde synthesis in 1900, again in 1906, and then again in 1921. Like so This wasn't, like,
0: fresh news.
1: No. And as producers of acetylaldehyde, like, you should know about what's going they would, on. In- they would know that. Yeah. 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 And do you remember how at the top of the episode I said that Chisso was competing with IG Farben internationally for the production mm-hmm. of acetaldehyde? In mm-hmm. 1916, the company Vecker Chemie, which would join IG Farben in 1926 and become Chisso's competitor, they became the first ever producer of acetaldehyde. Later that year, 1916, workers who came into contact with wastewater from that production developed central nervous system disorders. Mm. And in 1930, it was concluded by a professor at the University of Zurich, who was close to the case, that these disorders were caused by methylmercury poisoning. So this is like well-documented. Well-documented, very much so. Furthermore, <laughs> by the wow. time Chisso began producing in 1932, it was known in the Japanese literature that methylmercury was a potent central nervous system poison. So, fucking mic drop, all of you are fuckers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. On October 15th, 2004, the Supreme Court gave its final ruling on a lawsuit brought by the patients against the government. The court found the Japanese government, as well as the Kunamoto prefectural government, both liable for payment of compensation to Minamata disease victims for their failure to prevent the outbreak and spread of the pollution and the resulting illnesses. No one in either government body was accused of any criminal charges, however. Although only 121 patients were ever officially reported, including 70 congenital patients, it is hard to estimate how many people were truly impacted by the poisoning in Minamata and Niigata. I've seen numbers ranging from over 2,000, I said how there was several hundreds of thousands earlier. The legally recognized number is just over 2,000 though. But. It could be up to 2 million people who were impacted, with 900 Mm. people dead from the disease. And that was just by the 50th anniversary in 2006. Wow. And life for the remaining victims is a difficult one. In 2006, 65 of them lived at a residential facility opened by the government and paid for by Chizzo. wow. (laughs) There they received medical care and therapy, but since the 50-year mark, things have gotten worse, especially for the surviving congenital patients. Most of these individuals are now in their 60s and it seems that aging is severely affecting their physical abilities. Many of them could walk for most of their life and now no longer can. They still get headaches and suffer from slurred speech or a complete inability to speak. But even the people living in this facility, with people who are aware and able to give them help, are some of the more lucky ones since it's an impossibility that other congenital victims aren't out there but are unable to prove that their condition was caused by Chizzo and are therefore unable to receive help from the government or the company. At this point, it does feel like those who should be taking responsibility are simply waiting for all of the victims to die, whether from old age or the disease that has afflicted them for their entire lives. There is something being done about mercury on a global scale, due in great part to mercury poisoning awareness campaigns on the part of victims and their supporters. On August 16th, 2017, the Minamata Convention on Mercury was enacted by the United Nations. This convention is a global treaty to prevent human health and the environment from the adverse effects of mercury. It outlines an approach to production, use, emissions, releases, handling, and disposal of mercury voluntarily adhered to by 143 countries. In the convention, the agreeing parties are asked to phase out acetylaldehyde production and must attempt to reduce mercury emissions and also discard mercury in a sound manner. The most recent news on Minamata disease, which is now what we call methylmercury poisoning of food was a revisitation of Dr. Hosokawa's CAT 717. In 2020, researchers from Canada and New York took another look at the form of mercury in the brain tissue using state-of-the-art techniques not available 20 years beforehand and found that the most probable dominant neurotoxic form of mercury wasn't inorganic mercury or methylmercury, but rather alpha-mercury acetylaldehyde or a chemically-related species. This group believes therefore that methylmercury was not the contaminant and there was no biomagnification which played a significant role in the poisoning. They believe the whole situation should be reevaluated and this would call for a reevaluation of our own understanding of bioalkylation which is the production of methylmercury like in nature by mm-hmm. like bacteria and the side processes in the acetylaldehyde synthesis process, which is still not being phased out by about 57 countries who might be using it because they're not part of the Minamata convention. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: However, this is a controversial study that has been replied to several times by other researchers who insist that the literature points irrefutably to methylmercury being the causative agent and the poisoning. It seems that perhaps more research may be needed, especially as I said, because not everyone is agreeing to phase out the use of Mercury worldwide. This is likely not the end of the story of Minamata, and it is certainly not the end of the story of Mercury. But it is the end for now. (laughs) Venus is golf clapping for me. (laughs) This was a good one. I hadn't heard of this, though. I was astounded by how much information when I hadn't heard of this at all, like I was gonna go in a totally different direction for starting the Mercury series, and like mhm, yeah, I had not heard of this. It's insane, but so yeah, the Mercury series is gonna take a bit longer, like our arsenic series, I'm not just gonna like mm-hmm. one after another, like I did in October with the cyanide series we're gonna we're gonna let it see out, yeah, 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 I like it.
0: This one, I mean, at least there was some, there were some things that were redeemable in this one. Some things, yeah. There were some things that were redeemable in this one, which we can't always say, so there's that. Right, right, Um, and like... But terrible issue. Yeah. Terrible issue. Well,
1: and I wanted to, like, kind of look into, like, is the Minamata convention being followed? And, like, it kind of seems like maybe it is, you know? Because, like, what was the convention that we had for, like, global warming? Like, the Paris Accord or whatever mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. no one gave a shit about it so it's like who is anybody actually doing anything actually
0: do anything or did we just say we were gonna do something
1: right but in 2017 there was only 84 countries adhering and now that there's 143 it's like well at least you're like there's interested yeah, yeah so okay fingers crossed and uh yeah everybody stay safe out there that's all I have to say stay safe can't wait to see where you take us this season.
0: <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: Please like, follow, subscribe, and review us everywhere
0: you get your podcasts.
1: For more Lethal Dose content, you can find us at Lethal Dose Pod on Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok.
0: For an overdose of content, subscribe on Patreon for exclusive episodes and much more.
1: The show theme is Look Far by our dear wizard friend Fogweaver. More of their music can be found on bandcamp.com. Lethal
0: Dose is created, researched, produced, and edited by Kayla Woods and Venus Dineko.
1: Stay safe and remember the dose makes the poison.